excited about um, going to the White House? <laughs> I'm not going to the fucking White House. <laughs> no, I'm not going to the White House. That's, okay. We're not going to be invited. You're not going to be invited? I doubt it. Well, sit, children. Let me give you the subject of the day. Welcome back to Warriors FC Podcast, straight from the motherfucking LBC. Anthony, how are you doing, sir? The garage, the compound. The compound. Doing good. Andrew's allergic to cats. He's already <laughs> dying because he had to use the restroom yeah. twice in my house. So Anthony's been kind enough to kind of like sequester and kind of, you know, like use his, let us use his garage as a space to record because I'm severely allergic to cats. Anthony loves cats. He's a fucking weirdo. Um... So I w- went into the house to use the restroom, came back, and now I'm sniffling. So apologies if you hear me sniffling a lot. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's nothing else. It's just allergies. Anyway, how you doing, sir? I'm doing all right. Cheers just up. Cheers. This is our, fir- beer. our, fir- our beer. first podcast that we are allowed and able to drink, which is nice. So cheers up. Enjoying a couple of Stella Artois. Stella, shout me out. Hit Sponsor me up. Us. Sponsor us. <laughs> Well, you know what's funny? I actually know the people at Peroni, and that would be nice to get a sponsor by them. Anyway. We just need some followers. We need some subscribers. Hopefully, after a few episodes, we can get this going on iTunes, too. To the 22 people that listened to our first podcast. Or the OGs, because I think that's always been the running stats of people that would listen to us. You know, it, we only get to see our stats on SoundCloud, though. We haven't. What's unique about this podcast is we haven't gone to uh, Apple. Mm-hmm. So, like with the, the Kicks of the Pitch podcast, a lot of our viewership, the majority of it was through Apple and mm-hmm. not through SoundCloud because people, a lot of people just didn't have that. So, I the numbers. I think this one I'm going to end up uploading it on YouTube too. That would be, I mean, that's fine. That's great. What's, what's really been awesome to me was that the first podcast was fairly well received. We got a lot of, um, a lot of my f- uh, friends and old regulars of my other podcast uh, kind of reached out to me, shared this, and obviously, super greatly appreciate that. Makes me super happy. Um, of course, this is like our own creative endeavor that we're doing on our own without any help, any money, any anything. So any sort of support in any This is way a pirate ship, people. Like, we can, it can be whatever we want we it to be. We can do whatever the fuck we want. Yeah. And, and it's amazing. Um, yeah. On today's, point. on today's show, uh, lots of shit going on. Obviously, it's a very, very busy summer. Three major, ter- well, two major tournaments happening at the moment. Uh, MLS is in full swing. Uh, the European transfer market, uh, yeah, it's been it's been crazy. So, Women's World Cup, we're gonna talk uh, about the how the U.S. Women's National Team has fared so far. Where'd you watch the game? Um, I watched the game at home. I was at home. Yeah, same. Uh, so we'll talk about that. We're gonna talk about VAR, which has been a goddamn shit show. Um, I in this it. World Cup, uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about Cameroon and their sort of protesting and how FIFA is going after them, which is, I think, is fucked. I think FIFA should just look at themselves and say, hey, we're doing a really piss-poor job at this VAR shit. Uh, And then we're going to talk about the future uh, U.S. versus France. A lot of history between those two countries um, on the women's side, so should be a solid uh, quarterfinal. Looking forward to the Gold Cup, of course. uh, U.S. has looked interesting. We're definitely going to dive and. You know, get nice and deep into that and what my thoughts as well as Anthony's thoughts are. 
Mexico looking okay. Curacao and Haiti being Cinderella's coming out of fucking nowhere. That Haiti win was uh, unbelievable. Yes, and the, I mean the the for Curacao to come back against Jamaica uh, the other day was amazing. Also, um, and then we're gonna get into MLS and how weird it's been because so many players. This is where MLS gets super weird, especially when there's tournaments going on in the summer, which basically now it's every summer. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you have Copa America, you have Gold Cup, um, t- and uh, as well as as well as the U.S. Open Cup is kind of in full swing. So this is where you're starting to see the depths of teams and kind of just like weird results happening. Um, yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a shit show, and this is where you see the depth of teams really start to matter. I was lucky enough to go to the the LAFC um, San Jose match last. Was it last Thursday? Last Thursday, I believe. Yeah. Um, it was an amazing time. I took my dad for Father's Day. Uh, so we'll, we'll get into that, of course, a bit more in depth. And then lastly, uh, I have my L of the week. This is something that I want to have as a kind of like... Reoccurring. Reoccurring thing when I think Someone of like... to take an L. This Some, week, I mean, we're gonna the good thing, <laughs> the good thing basically. about soccer, I think the the most beautiful thing about soccer uh, is the characters. That's something that uh, when you look at world soccer, you have enemies, you have just you have everyone from like you know Lord Bentner to uh, you know to Neymar doing the boot thing to I mean you you can go on and on and on about like just the most ridiculous. Every team <laughs> has someone that's gonna take an L for your team. That's gonna be like put that bad attention on you guys like every team has that player or that moment i i would say that's fair to say i would say that's fair to say we're gonna get a little bit into the european transfer market how barca is just pulling shit out of their ass like they do every summer and it's driving me fucking bananas um and then we're gonna give a nice homage a nice ode to fernando torres and talk about some of the greatest moments of his career as he retired favorite non-Arsenal players. Same. I would say definitely one of my favorite non-Madrid players, even though he played against Atleti and he tore us up many, many on many occasions. Um, I still really enjoyed watching him play. Um, those Liverpool years were just, I mean, he was unstoppable for, for a long time. Um, all right, let's get into it. Women's World Cup. Uh, what have been your thoughts so far about the overall kind of vibe of the tournament? Up and I, I, As soon as it got out of the group stage, I've instantly hyped on it. I knew the group stage, it's similar to the Gold Cup. Yeah. It's just, it's it's very uneven in mm-hmm, a lot of the matchups. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But once the knockouts kicked off, I it was so much fun to watch. It, it was really, really cool to see lots of competitive matches mm-hmm. and lots of teams that can play ball really well. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt to me, the shocker so far has been the U.S. in the way... Well, I mean, there's been a couple of shockers. Let's not, let's not say that. But I would say the U.S kind of steamrolling everyone, looking really, really good, and then coming up against Spain, whom I thought they were going to steamroll, especially, like, physically. I thought it was just going to be a lot of crosses and a lot of uh, more physical play, but Spain did incredibly well. They was, uh, did incredibly well, super well organized, playing very similar to the way their men's team plays. Absolutely, uh, yeah. A lot of possession, a lot of... Um, I think you saw a little bit of the blueprint to beat the U.S. Uh, women's national team, and I was actually a bit sort of stunned in that there was I felt like there was no plan B no it, to me they just thought they really underestimated them and they really didn't know what to do because they're just like all right for one we're going to be better physically we're going to be able to just do what we want and Spain did not allow any of that they, and they defended so well they well, shut down very well organized they, in defense they, yeah. no goals from the open yeah. play Yeah. shut down Alex Morgan yeah 
just getting the tackles in on everybody. I was, and they were a little bit rattled because they, you could they see thought it. you could see it <laughs> because on paper Spain's like what ranked like sixteenth. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, maybe I yeah, don't know if they, they're ranked they're, that high. They, I, but but historically, Spain has never been a powerhouse. I think no. when this when this uh, matchup was kind of aligned, I don't think any anyone was thinking that Spain was going to be an issue. Uh, Spain has looked really good and really okay so far. But I think the style of play, and I thought the organization, and like I said, the possession and the and the play and the um, the way they played defensively. One thing they did very very well was they didn't give up the ball in really bad positions mm-hmm. um, for the U.S. to kind of take advantage, and that's something that, that the U.S. has thrived on is just bad passes, counterattack, high press, uh, and then of course a lot of crosses, a lot of set pieces, and that's how they scored. They scored two penalties. Uh, the, one of them was soft. One of them I thought was for sure a penalty. They, they both were a little... I mean, the first one was probably for sure a penalty. Yeah. The second one was so the soft. The second one was pretty soft in my opinion. But, um, you know, in tournaments like this, even if you're a great team, I think it happens to all of the best teams, whether you're, you know, let's say you're France in 98 or whomever, you, you're going to hit a roadblock somewhere mm-hmm. and you're going to need this type of win. You're going to need to scrape by. You're going to need to get a little bit of luck. If they had a front line that yeah. was... Any half as good as the U.S. front line, they would have. They, they probably would have won. They probably would have won. I, I think that's fair to say. And I think they know that. And I, all the response I even read an article in Marca about yeah. it, they're just hyped on what happened because they went to toe to toe with the yeah. best team in the world, and they outplayed them from large stretches of the and game. And I, I, it just kind of coincides with what's happening now in Europe overall. That's the big thing I want to talk about. One yeah. big thing that. A lot of people, it's been like kind of mentioned a little bit here and there on Twitter, but Real Madrid is officially greenlit a women's team. So I think when you talk about like the best women in in the world, they play historically in France. They play for Lyon typically. Mm -hmm. And in Germany too. And in Germany. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, But we're talking about clubs specifically, not necessarily their nationalities. A lot of them are from Scandinavia, Norway, Sweden, of course. Um, But you're going to start to see these massive clubs. I, I feel like they're going to pay attention when you start seeing like Ajax and like I said, Lyon and PSG have been good for a while. Um, but it's it's obviously happening where the rest of the world is really properly catching up to us. More specifically in like countries that have been historically good. Uh, now you're starting to see them really, really get there. That's the big thing. Yeah. They're closing the gap quickly. Mm-hmm. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, Italy, non-exist, not here. Spain, not here. England, not even, not even around. Yeah, I mean, England it, was was never that was a, that was a, always a big, big, big thing. Was that England had such a prominent, uh, prominent league with years and years and years of history, hundreds of years of, of history, and they never really fielded a, a super solid women's national team, and it, it made no sense because they always had the money, the infrastructure, they had mm-hmm. everything, right? Um, so it was always this, it was always this weird sort of like thing, but now. They seem to have really turned that corner a bit. Yeah. yeah, because the thing with Europe is the money and the infrastructure is there. Yeah, they have top facilities, top trainers, top doctors, top <laughs> nutritionists, top scouts. Yeah, and they don't even have to plug in that much money. No, but it's a lot of money in terms of for the women's game, and it is. But it's also a thing of like. A lot. Well, it's also like when we talked about. When we talked about like the Thorns, for example, they mm-hmm. very much create a bridge or uh, a synergy between the men's side mm-hmm. and the women's side. And 
clubs like Arsenal can do that yeah. easily. Because, and Arsenal's historically like the has most been, successful women's Yes, exactly. You know, premier, club, and they have done team. that and they've been very proactive and then good on them. Because you, you know? it's the same flag. Yeah. You're flying, you're waving the same flag when it comes to the club. Absolutely. And it gets the, the same supporters excited. And that's like one of the benefits to the European game is that there's no separate franchise. Yeah. There's Arsenal ladies. There's Arsenal men's. There's Atletico ladies. There's Atletico men. Barca. Men and women. Yeah, same, same thing, same. Leon, and so on and so yeah. forth. Yeah. <clears throat> so when we look at, when we talk about Europe really catching up, we're going to look at the quarterfinal matchups. Norway, England, all European matchup. Italy, Netherlands, all European matchup. Uh, Germany, Sweden, all European matchup. And then U.S., France. U.S. is the only non-European team left in the entire tournament. That says something. That says a lot. That says a lot. Without a doubt, you can't just really ignore that. I think it's great. But what bothers me, being a Latin male, is uh, how few Latin countries are involved and really compete at a high level. Um, and it's frustrating. And I don't understand it. I think that's what was so important about Martha's speech. Yeah. I, you know, that was... Let's talk about that. I meant to talk mm -hmm. about that. Uh, so Martha, obviously the, the number one um, goal scorer in all of World Cup history, male or female, has now 17 goals, I believe. Um, has been a an icon of the the women's game forever. Has been a you know a lot of the the the, the women of her era like uh, when I think of like Abby Wambach and when you go back further, Brandy Chastain and Mia mm -hmm. Hamm, and which was you know a little bit before her time, but a lot of them played with her. They were a little bit more than just athletes. They had to be sort of like these. What do I, like what do ambassadors? I, ambassadors. Yeah. Ambassadors on a level of like really knocking doors down. And I don't mean like, like in a, in a, I'm going to, I'm going to pose sexy kind of way. I mean, in a way where it's like, I'm going to be fucking awesome and I'm going to be yeah. an amazing player. And I'm going to try to let you know about it and yeah. make, it, make it heard. Do it in a way, not only like I can play with anyone anywhere and do it in a way that is not, what we have been, unfortunately, in the way that we have been sort of uh, the light that it's been shed on, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so Martha came out and did this amazing speech and it was like, I feel like everyone that watched it got very emotional and got like choked up because you could feel how... How much she cares. How much yeah. she really fucking cared and more importantly, like she's from Brazil. She's from the probably the greatest soccer nation of all time. Mm -hmm. And for her, it meant a little bit more and I think she saw... Brazil, she said, she openly said, this is the worst Brazil team I've ever played for. Also, she did say that, mm -hmm. which is maybe not the most like captain-y cool thing you want to hear, but she's calling it like it is. She's telling it like it is. And what she's, I think what she's more than anything, what she's trying to do is she's trying to light a fire mm -hmm. beneath um, the next generation. Me as a young Brazilian woman <laughs> watching that, I would be like, oh, I would be fired yeah. the fuck up. She was like, train more, play more, try harder. Like yeah. you're, like I'm not always gonna be around. Uh, you know, Cristiano's not. She was naming all these players, and it also like seeing that jersey and that crest. Like mm -hmm. what that means. Whenever you would see a Brazilian player wearing that jersey, it was like a badge of more than a badge of honor. It was like holy shit, this is like a thing, right? Yeah, it's prestige, and she understands that. So the way she did it, I thought was just fucking incredible. I thought it was. I mean, I, th I thought it was just beautiful for her to say that. It was probably her last match. Mm -hmm. um, and for her to go down like that, it was just like, whoa. It was like, you know, like some like uh, going down with your, uh, you know, with your with your head up and your, you know, basically your, 
your sword up and just kind of like not not kneeling, just going down with your head up. In yeah. my opinion, I thought that was beautiful. I wish more athletes would do that, you know, especially <laughs> on the American, <laughs> on the U.S. men's national team side. But uh, yeah, I thought that was that was beautiful and eloquent. And let's talk a little bit about. <laughs> sadly, we have to talk about something negative with with that whole perspective with that whole thing. Uh, Brazil lost to France um, in extra time. VAR controversy in that game. VAR, excuse me, they lost to. Did they lose to France? Yeah, they did lose. No, no, they lost to. They lost to. Yes, they did. Sorry, yeah. sorry. I was thinking of Cameroon and England. Yeah, they did lose to France. Okay, so they lost to France in extra time. Uh, VAR controversy in that game. But more importantly, let's talk about. There's been VAR controversy throughout the entire tournament. It finally came to a head with the Cameroon England game. And this is something that VAR has not really shed light on like so dramatically in other tournaments. Uh, but for whatever reason, I think there's been a couple of weird little rule changes and certain things that they were focusing on heavy in this one. And it's been the penalty kicks encroachment by the goalkeeper. A lot of, a lot, <laughs> yeah, I see your it's face. Just... It's so many... So many, so many penalty, kick, penalty kicks being called back. Uh, one of the goals in that game got called back, and they got to take an extra. Uh, the France game, yep. they got to take an extra penalty kick and scored. Um, oh, man, it was just super unfortunate. In the Cameroon game, similar situation. Cameroon straight up like tried to protest and didn't want to line up um, after the goal. Uh, so now FIFA is doing an investigation. Which I, I mean, all you got to do is watch the match. Uh, I feel gross. They just don't want teams acting up. Like I that. feel gross about the. I, I fucking get it, but I feel gross about the whole thing. I, I can't stand VAR. <laughs> like I, it's whenever I and see dude, the like, ref leave leave the pitch to stare at a screen. I'm like, what the fuck are we doing here? Yeah, this is, this is NFL. Right? This is not <laughs> the sport. Yeah. This is not it. And I'm like. I get certain times that it's it's hard to to like figure out the line that people have to take with this game and it's it's an imperfect game and and then it's just so frustrating because to me soccer football it's theater and part of it is the fact that the referee is human like everyone else on the field and it fucking happens they blow the call and that's just part of the sport it yeah. d it's imperfect yes. and that's what makes it interesting is that it's <clears> going to be imperfect Ironically, and, and VAR does, is not helping anything. I feel like it's made it more imperfect. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But in a way where we're looking at it, you're like, oh yeah, they made the bad call and they just like st stick with it and you're yeah. like, what the fuck is going on? It's like, what's the point? Also, this idea of encroachment, it's fucking bananas because mm -hmm. what they're doing is they're saying that if the goalkeeper has one foot off of the line, they retake the kick. Yeah. So that's what was happening in these in these situations. Not like, there was a couple where like, I get it. If the goalkeeper jumps forward, like jumps forward and then kind of like gets a gets a couple of like yards on the to cut off the angle. Mm -hmm. If you've taken a penalty in your life, you understand that. So that I get a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. I understand that's that's proper encroachment. That's proper like you're getting a couple of you're getting a jump on the ball. Fair enough. But even that, I feel like VAR should not exist at all for penalties. No. Should not exist at all in penalty kicks in any sort of situation. Because there's no reason for the ref not to get the call right. Yeah, because you're fucking right there. Yeah. You're fucking right there. So is the goal line ref. You should be able to get it. Dude. And like, even even in 
the line ref in Champions League. Exactly. That, that that's what they're there for. And if you watch other matches, like in, in back in the day, so what if they're encroaching? Mm-hmm. Like, if it's obvious, call it. Yeah. But that that I've been, I've seen shootouts from from twenty years ago, yeah. and it's like it's it, never, it doesn't it doesn't hurt the game. It's never been an issue until now. It's never been an yeah. issue until now, and it's a fucking nightmare. This was supposed to be implemented. This is why you know we have this sort of back and forth and this mm-hmm. frustration. Is like this was supposed to be implemented so that we could fix certain things. When I think of like the Lampard goal against Germany and how that could have changed the game for them in that World Cup, Germany went on and fucking steamrolled them after that. Yeah. Remember, there's situations like that where okay, wait, wait, a goal line technology, goal line technology, because it, and that's that's a different if it, thing. If it crosses the line, totally different thing. It buzzes. Totally it makes different sense. thing. Totally different thing. Right? Entirely different thing. Mm-hmm. Right? So, and then maybe like uh, Luis Suarez biting somebody. Right? Yes. So we're going to talk about that motherfucker later. <laughs> but something like that, okay? I get it. I, get, I, I understand it using it in that sort of situation. But to the point where you're going to ruin a World Cup, a team like Cameroon, they were so disheartened and so like shaken up. And this is their first time in that sort of like level of play. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest stage in the world. And you're just like, you're like taking it away from them. Um, on some fucking bullshit. And, you, and you're just creating this weird delay and anticipation. And everyone in the stadium, everyone watching the game, and it just stifles everything. And that's one of the things that I think Seth Blatter, one of the few things I thought he was right in and being against was the overuse of technology in the sport. Because there was this <clears throat> mindset that you want this sport at the highest level and the lowest level to have all the same components. Sure. To have three yeah. referees whether it's at your under five game or like Whatever. minor league. It was the same league. shit. Yeah. <clears throat> it's the same formula. Yeah. And, and, and that's just, it is what it is. Yeah. But it's just trying to make it perfect. It's just making a mess of it. 100%. It's making a mess of it. And it's it, like, it's, it's, the, you know what it feels like? It feels like there's, it's those, how do I, how do I put this? I feel like we're in math class or like in some sort of like, I feel like it's it's those guys that never played the game and they're taking the rule to the extreme extremely literal. Like I don't know I don't know a perfect analogy right now in my head but they're taking it too far. Oh like oh that girl's foot was like a, a half step off the line. That doesn't help. It doesn't matter. You already the goalie's at a yeah. massive disadvantage yeah. in a penalty, right? There's like a 10% chance. It's like 90% yeah, chance that dude, it's going to go in. You have to fucking guess, dude. You have to Especially guess. Especially in the women's game. Yes. Because the goalies are like, if they're lucky, they're maybe six feet. Yeah, there isn't like six, six goalies, yeah. you know? And then also this nonsense about like making the goal smaller, just shut the fuck up about that. That's the most like asinine, ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Like the the goal, the, the, the size of the goal is fine, okay? They're, it's just natural for for men to be bigger. It's just a natural thing. It's not like... You know, that's just part of, part of the fucking game. It doesn't take away from the game. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. This this notion that the goal needs to be smaller for the women, just shut the fuck up. It's so dumb. Because you remember what... what and there's the, women There's women that are coming out and, and like, pr- proposing this. And the it's, gold being smaller? Yeah. It's, re- remember when the U.S. women's mind, lost like, to Japan yeah. in the World Cup on PKs? Yeah. And, like, their goalie at the time was, like, almost half the size of Hope Solo. Yeah. And they didn't, they didn't beat them on PKs, yeah. so the goal size is fine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, VAR has been a, a fucking massive bummer. It's it's tainted this World Cup in a bit, I would say. 
Um, but overall, there's been a lot of cool things. I think the Italian national team has played incredible. I thought the the Dutch versus Japan game was amazing. Um, the Japan the, the goal that Japan scored was so fucking beautiful. And this yep. is what I've been used to when I watched Japan in the past was this like tiki-taka, like Spanish style of play where they didn't need to be physical, but they were just so technical and gifted ball on the ball in tight and spaces up. and like give and goes. And some of their missed goals, I was like, yeah. oh my God, that was such yeah. a great buildup. It was, it was very much like, like watching it because the Dutch play Dutch style, like physical, free-flowing, uh, maybe a bit more physical than like the Dutch men, but they kind of had, it was really like a yin and yang clash of styles. And I thought the Dutch, there was periods where they really dominated and they were very physical. But when the Japanese really started to put things together, it was like mind blowing to watch and the Dutch couldn't keep up for, for certain situations. But towards the end, I felt like uh, the physicality of the Dutch kind of just started to wear the Japanese uh, mm-hmm. women down and they just couldn't keep up. I thought that game was incredible. Um, Germany pretty much blasted Nigeria. Didn't think much of that. The Sweden-Canada game was pretty tight. Um, now we're down to the quarterfinals. Norway-England, I think, is going to be an amazing game. Uh, Netherlands and Italy, I think, is going to be an amazing game. Germany-Sweden. I want to watch These all these These are all must-sees. These are all must-see games. Must now we're matches. like, now I'm like, yeah. Like, all right, let's go. This is what I was waiting for. And the, yeah. the, the build-up to this has been yeah. really good. Yeah, absolutely. Now, also, we're talking about USA and France. And... Interesting thing. So USA has been reigning champions. They they have the most uh, women's World Cups out of any country. Uh, historically, have just been a powerhouse. Um, France has really evolved over the past, I want to say, six years. Last World Cup, they did... Last fair, decade, I guess. Last, last, last decade, yeah. maybe. But really, really, over the past three years, they've become a powerhouse. They've become like a superpower, in my opinion. They Definitely. And, and I think a lot has to do with it, the fact that the the professional league mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is probably the best yeah. in, in the world without a doubt i mean there's there's no question so i mean there's a reason why like some of the best american women have done like have, have done these like 6 months yeah. spells with yeah olympic yeah. Lyonnais. Of, of course now um i think over the past four three game three the last three times they've played France has won 3-0, 3-1, and 2-1, if I'm not mistaken. I don't want to be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure. Um, so the U.S. hasn't beat France in a while. Um, France has looked very blasé in this tournament, if you ask me. They haven't looked, like, crazy good, and the U.S. has looked crazy good. But I don't think France has played a team as weak as Thailand, we'll say. Yeah. Maybe that's fair to say. Or Chile. Uh, nor do I think have they played a team as good as, like, Spain. And Spain mm-hmm. was probably... I mean, Spain was, re- I thought they were fucking really good. I was like, yeah. whoa. You know, I was I was pleasantly surprised by them. Um, so now, France, USA, uh, both teams, w- like superpowers, but both teams probably not firing on all cylinders, I would argue. No, um, not especially, they both had a reality check in the first round. But one thing you, you will see sometimes at these World Cups is once you get to the quarterfinals and semifinals against these superpowers, it's big boy time, and mm-hmm. then everyone... It's time to go. Yeah. Like it's time to, you see the level of play really elevate. Sometimes when you're such a good team and you kind of, you kind of just you know coast or like you know you 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 cruise control through the through the group stage and you're just kind of like all right yeah we beat this team we beat this team we were expected to beat this team, and then you come up against a team that you're like all right we've been waiting for this, prior to the tournament everyone's been talking about this. And you're playing in France's, uh, France's backyard. It's in, you're in, in their hometown. So it's going to be a huge test. 
It's going to be a huge, te- huge test. I'm up for it. I'm excited. The match happens on Friday? Is it Friday? Damn. Yep. It's already... It's, it's God damn, it happens tomorrow. this Friday. Wow. Whew. Well, it's I a mean, good thing I'm not working this weekend. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> so that is... That's awesome. Uh, very excited for the match. Uh, very excited for all these matches. I think they're all going to be... It'll be huge if France can knock off the US for, for, for the sport. You know, I don't want it to happen at all. But I wouldn't be surprised if it happens. We'll put it that way. Um, I'll I'll give my two cents after the result. Because <laughs> we'll see what happens. Because it's just it's it's really interesting, and that's I'm honestly like a huge compliment to see like how far the 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 sport has come for for the women's end. And it's, I mean, it makes me happy because now I can watch. I'm hoping that I can go with my friends and go to a a, a match at you know, the bank and watch an awesome women's team play another, yeah. like that would be amazing. That would be fucking amazing. I would love to have that. Um, so hopefully that happens. Um, but super excited for the weekend. Cannot wait for that to happen. Let's shift gears into the gold cup. This has probably been the most exciting gold cup that I can think of. Not, not necessarily in a, in, from the perspective of like, like the U S doing super well or Mexico doing super well from the perspective of overall, I don't think anyone expected... I think everyone expected kind of the same shit. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, it's probably going to be the U.S. and Mexico in the final. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's be fair. Last time, Mexico got knocked out by Jamaica, but Mexico didn't take the strongest team in the world because they knew they had you know, bigger things ahead. So, <clears throat> Mexico takes dec- like a, a very good team this time. The U.S. is taking a in, in experimental team with They're some... They're taking what they can, <laughs> what they can bring. With uh, some good players, without a doubt. Um... So I would say it's overall with teams like Curaçao, with teams like Haiti having shockers, um, the amazing game that El Salvador had uh, against Honduras. I wouldn't say that they played well. I I would say that that the atmosphere was beautiful and amazing in in Los Angeles. And if you could see highlights of that match or go on Twitter or YouTube and just kind of look at certain accounts, it was just uh, amazing to see that type of atmosphere for a Gold Cup match for two Central American countries two countries that are historically like massive populations in los angeles and two countries that are uh, constantly sort of overshadowed by the two bigger superpowers mexico and the u.s uh it's unfortunate uh, me and being costa rica too ha- me being half salvadorian uh i find that uh, a bummer but it was pretty fucking awesome to see that yesterday uh, at halftime i loved hearing the music and the entire stadium was basically it was just looked like a massive party uh, people really, there's such a need and such a, such a like starvation for people to express themselves through their national team, and to see that firsthand for people that are just so starving for that is just beautiful. And you want to see that in LA, of all places, it just makes sense. Um, and the bank was probably the perfect venue for that yeah. because and there, uh, there's a lot of people that like want to see their team play, mm-hmm. but there's not always an opportunity. They can't, it's not easy to go back home. Yeah, I mean, yeah. people. a lot of people fought and have, I mean, you know what's going on right now in the world, and mm-hmm. I don't want to touch on that too much, and it's going to get me very upset, but people are fleeing and, and getting getting out of their situations uh, to come here for a better life. It doesn't mean that they lose all touch with their culture or that they hate their mm-hmm. culture or their or their country. On the contrary, they just need to survive and to do better. Yeah. But they still have we that all want the same things. They still have that attachment. They still have that love, that passion, all that stuff. So to be able to express that, especially in a time of like 
I mean, shit is just so gross and backwards in what's happening in, in Central America and <clears throat> in Mexico and, and 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 other mainly Central America. But with refugees and all that stuff that's happening right now, um, again, I don't want to touch too much on it. I don't want to be too political, but to see people that have made it out of situations like that that are thriving and able to experience something positive and something happy where they're celebrating life, I think that's very much mm-hmm. a big, massive part of soccer. And it's it was just beautiful to see. Even though, <laughs> even though Honduras destroyed us, uh, it was still really cool to see the atmosphere and the vibe and people celebrating and having a good time. So... That was really that was one of the things that I thought was really cool about the the Gold Cup that not many people have talked about because obviously to many people in, in basic media uh, that's not really something to talk about because it just doesn't hit home to them but to a lot of people it should be it should be said so wanted to touch on that for sure um, but other things uh, U.S. men's national team what have you thought so far I'm I just kind of unimpressed unimpressed pretty. It's just again the group stage syndrome, where it's like, I'm not gonna really see this team and what they're really capable of until the knockout stage. And I was watching the game today, and I was just like, Jesus. Yeah. It, it I just, feel I feel like. And a... the kids look like shit. <laughs> <laughs> it just like I'm just bummed on bummed. I feel. I thought the game against Trinidad was slightly more positive. Um, I mean, obviously we should be winning like that against Trinidad. sure sure yeah. but leading up to the gold cup seeing that game against jamaica and then seeing that game against venezuela i was like oh my god what is fucking happening yeah <laughs> right we talked about it last the last episode um seeing uh seeing christian pulisic and his capabilities and what he can do when he decides to take over a match i think i saw it against trinidad and i was the first time in a I've seen like sparks of it with him for the U.S. men's national team, but I think he's getting there where he's about to be like, I'm going to take you on my shoulders. Let's go. Uh, everything was going through him. Not only was he taking on two, three defenders at a time, he was, uh, you know, on his one-on-ones, he was pretty much lights out, uh, decision-making, um, pressing, coming back, being defensive, through balls, um, the timing of his passes, the weight of his passes, these are all things, his first touch. You see Christian's first touch. Like, you know, one thing that Jurgen talked about when he became the U.S. men's national team coach, everyone's like, what's the difference? What's the difference? And he's like, first touch. You see the difference mm-hmm. when a player from, any player from Brazil touches the ball. It's like, it's like, you, it's like it's almost like your hand. Yeah. It's almost like it, they catch yeah. it, right? And with <laughs> Jossi Zardes, you know, granted he had a good game I don't want to shit on him too much because I've been like super vocal and like shitting on him uh, but Giassi Zardes for example is is pretty well known for not having the best first touch in the world and Americans in general that's something that hasn't been a strong suit so to see someone that yeah, because like traditionally especially back in the day your parents don't know to give you a ball you you play with the ball with your hands you don't play with the ball with your feet yeah yeah, yeah. and with in other countries it, it, you got to build that coordination of course as early as possible yeah of course i mean the other day i saw this clip and it like made me like w- smile my face off it was just roberto carlos ronaldinho and robinho juggling and it's oh, like yeah. in between like a they're shooting like a nike commercial they don't even have their shoes on they're mm-hmm. just juggling and you're just like dude it looks like they it looks like their feet are hands like yeah, they're, yeah. they're just like playing volleyball it, you know? I, and I it's feel fucking like like, like it's, it's art it's like yeah. a whole different thing man like it's funny because I almost feel like if you don't learn 
like these things that are by a certain age, you're never going to be able to do it like that. Oh, no. Yeah, it's just like... No, you know, I think you're right about that. I think you're right about that. It's like, you got to learn that early. Yeah. Real early. Yeah. Like, you're a little, little tiny baby kid. Sure. And you're just figuring it out. Mm -hmm. And once you learn that, you can't be like... 17 and try to figure out how to juggle it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like, like the, bro, mo- get- the mechanics aren't there at that point. Yeah, like you got to know that by, by then, you know. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Mexico. Mexico has been another one that's been, they've looked okay. Um, didn't do well against Martinique. Uh, looked decent against Canada and then blew out Cuba. So they're another team that I think has, they think they understand that they're, are bigger battles ahead, but to me, when they play a team like Martinique, they should blow them out, not win, not win three to two. Um, but Mexico also is another team that hasn't looked super lights out. They haven't looked crazy good this tournament. I don't think there's a favorite. I think the U.S. and Mexico are favored to go to the final, but I would not be at all surprised if Haiti stuns somebody. Do, Haiti has looked fucking f- crazy lights out. Costa Rica is still in. Uh, Jamaica and Curacao, I mean, Jamaica on their day can beat anybody. They knocked Mexico out last time. They, they beat us leading up to the Gold Cup. And then Curacao has come out of nowhere, out of nowhere. They lose to El Salvador. They beat Honduras, which no one expected. And then they come back and they draw Jamaica in like pretty much the last kick of the match by a screamer. Uh, and then of course, Panama is still in there. Panama shocked me today. I thought the U.S. was going to struggle a lot more against Panama excuse me, against Panama, and, and the U.S. dominated. They just didn't have the finishing touch wasn't there. Once Christian Pulisic went in that match, it was an entirely different tempo, and Panama could not keep up whatsoever. Um, however, even with their B team, I thought the United States, you know, a lot of people were kind of bored and didn't think it was that good. I, I wasn't that bummed out about it. The U.S. pressed high, had the majority of the shots, had the possession. They just couldn't finish. You know, and you have a, an aging Josie Altador up there who's been struggling. And he got, a, he got a nice little goal. Good for him. You know, I'm happy for him. But moving forward. Uh, Do you think Mexico isn't taking this tournament as seriously because there's no confederation spot, the confederation cup spot on the line? No, I, 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 I disagree with that, like, entirely. I think Mexico is using this to kind of get their core group in place. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they had a horrendous showing at the under 20, at the under twenties. Um, so for Mexico also, the weird thing about Mexico also is their world cup wasn't that great, dude. They beat Germany. Yeah. They lost to Sweden. They beat Korea, which I think everyone expected. And then what happened? Then they lose in the knockouts. Yeah. Then they out in the knockouts as per usual. Right. Yeah. Um, so I don't think their world cup was anything great. That, that went against Germany was very historic and it was amazing. But I mean, for Mexico, you should you should expect more. Yeah, right? it's funny. I was just watching like a YouTube documentary about. I mean, like I mean, why Brazil, Brazil like toyed been with underachieving for so long. Yeah. Oh and, yeah, yeah. I saw something come up on my YouTube, and it was really interesting how they talked to a lot of fans and people. They're like, "Oh, we don't give a shit about the Gold Cup." Like they they were just like, "Oh, it's por un negocio." It's like it's just a, it's just a money grab. It's only played in one country every year, <sighs> and in the. I mean, I disagree. I mean, yeah. when you when you watch Mexico games in the states, I mean, I mean, what happens? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell well, me, if you, especially if you schedule a game in LA. Tell me they don't care. Yeah, I mean, if you if yeah. you have a Mexico match in Texas, in LA, mm-hmm. or in, I mean, pretty much anywhere in Texas, LA, uh, San Francisco, um, Chicago, it's gonna be fucking bananas. It's gonna be crazy. You know. 
But then I just went down to the rabbit hole again of just like looking into like, what if they combine confederations? What would this look like? Oh what if it, like, what if Gulf America was like the euros? What if we had something substantial to get excited about, you know, like where it's like, oh shit, this is it. I think for Mexico, it's a bit overkill right now. Like a lot of, maybe a lot of certain fans are feeling that way. But mm -hmm. if I am a fan of Mexico, if I want Mexico to win this, like I want Mexico to win this tournament, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm, an L3, L3 supporter, and I, I yeah. want... You want to win any 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 competition? Why any the fuck... If up? you're going to come up against the United States, and you're a fan of Mexico, you're gonna you're not going to watch that game? Get oh, the yeah. fuck out of here, bro. I mean, you're watching that yeah, shit, yeah. and you're going to celebrate as you do. You're going to... I, I mm -hmm. already know it. I already know it. I already know yeah. it. Um, if that happens, we need to like sit down with Weddle and like have a live stream of that. That would be fucking incredible. Yeah. For those that don't know, pretty much anyone that's not related to us doesn't know we have a... A hilarious cousin, yeah, in Baja. He lives. We're in, gonna get on the show. So Anthony he has and lots I have to say. He's the character. So Anthony and I, words. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anthony and I are unique in that we, my, our parents are, are obviously his aunt. His mom is my aunt. His uh, mother is my mom's sister. They're Mexico. Their family's from Mexico, Mexico City. Um, so we still have family in Puebla. We still have family in Mexico City. We still have family in. But most of the cousins that we grew up with grew up in uh, Playas Tijuana. So they were always back and forth. And when the U.S. would play, because Anthony, Anthony and I were born and raised here, we mm -hmm. grew up with American soccer culture. We grew up following a lot of European teams because that, that's all that was available mm -hmm. to us. But once MLS came around, of course, things changed. But with that, there was this intense rivalry between cousins also. Yeah. So we would watch matches with my cousins from Mexico, and it would get very fucking intense. Already, our family is just highly competitive and yes. very, yep. like, it's really weird to see, like, my uncle who, like, has one leg, but he plays ping pong and and he'll scream at you and yell at you and make jokes. And all of a sudden, he can move. Try to humiliate you. Like, he'll try to, like, he'll play with, like, one of my 12-year-old cousins and be like, you suck. Yeah, like, what are yeah. you doing? Like, yeah. geez, like, talk like you shit thought you could beat me? You thought you could yeah. beat me? And, like, dude, like, it's he'll just like, ping pong, man. <laughs> But that's the level of competitiveness that we have. So that's just innate. It's in our blood. And even Anthony, who's like very like blase and mellow. About I'm probably me. like the least competitive person. In, yeah, like, but I there's don't... moments where that shit will come out. And you'll look at <laughs> Anthony like, where did that come from, guy? You know? um, so we we are just naturally competitive. We're, we're all very like young at heart. And we, so my cousin, we call him Weddle. He's, he is half Mexican, half Czechoslovakian. So he's like this kind of big... Uh, he looks like a Tony Soprano with like, like green eyes, like, and, and he speaks fluent Spanish. It's hilarious. Yeah. Um, but we grew up, we love, obviously we love uh, being around him. He's a big personality. So we hope to get him on the show. I would love to get him on to either do, um, some sort of like recurring segment because obviously when we start talking to him, you guys will definitely understand that. We um, just need to get it, get him to call in. Definitely. And just definitely. shoot the shit. Yeah, definitely. He's all, he has a, he has a couple of babies now, so it's hard for him to do it. But um, if we tell him we're gonna play FIFA, he'll definitely get on, and maybe we could do it through like Xbox Live or yeah. something. <laughs> we could do something like that. Uh, well, moving along, I don't think anyone's really favored in this tournament. I'm excited that the Gold Cup is exciting. I'm excited to watch teams like Haiti. Like that's fucking crazy to me. I'm excited to watch teams like Curacao, even though they're playing the U.S. and I want the U.S. to look to basically blow them out of the water. But I think it's it's still cool to see the Gold Cup kind of matter outside of just us and mexico right which historically that's all it's been yeah so it's cool to see these teams do well um i you know you you have like even for 
for Guyana, they have a, an English coach, and you've seen the changes they drew against Trinidad and Tobago. Um, they played very well against the U.S., uh, in my opinion, in the first half. Um, so to see these teams, I, I, I enjoy it, and I like it. Um, it's cool to see the level of play go up, and I feel like if the level of play goes up from these countries, it can only benefit teams like the U.S. and Mexico when they qualify, and they have to. It's like an iron sharpens iron type of thing. And that's where the, the level of play is going to be elevated, hopefully. We'll see if that happens. But moving forward, I mean, I don't think anyone's necessarily favored in the tournament right now. I do think maybe it's gonna, it's between Mexico and the U.S. But I haven't been Those overly... Like the default favorites. Yeah, I haven't been overly, like, nudged in one direction. Um, but, yeah, we'll see how it goes uh, this weekend. We'll get to see the U.S. women's national team play on Friday, and then the men play Curacao on Saturday, which is super-duper dope. Um, let's get into a little bit of Copa America. And this will then we'll segue into a couple of other things. Copa America <coughs> has been going on. Uh, Argentina has been struggling. Uruguay has been doing Uruguay things. Being is there a more like dirty? I, I, I don't want this to come across as the like. I don't want this to come across in the wrong way. But is there a more <laughs> like physically dirty, like brutal tackles, cheating, doing weird like? shit type of team that you can think of in all of world soccer at the moment probably not but it's funny talking like historically his, historically I, I think there's been chapters where there's been teams that have been relentless i feel like, like throughout my life anytime i've watched the uruguay game i'd be like oh there's gonna be seven yellow cards in this game like oh, every man. fucking game right and there's gonna be some fuckery some shithousery from from luis suarez or from somebody right it was yeah. always some fucking bullshit right always I would always just remember just the fuckery happening in like El Clasico derbies between Madrid and Barca and then United and, and Arsenal back in the late 90s, early 2000s. There'd be just like some nonsense going on, some dives, some just guys getting clobbered after PKs. <laughs> 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 just when it's just, it, when it's intense and some team's going to try to win at all costs by any means necessary, it gets it gets weird. But <laughs> mainly just Suarez. Yeah, so we'll we'll get into that. But the brackets look as such right now. Brazil are going to play Paraguay, which I think is going to be a very, very tough game. That game is actually tomorrow at 5.30. Fuck yeah. Cannot wait to watch that game. I like that the games come on a little bit later. Yeah. And all the games have been... I mean, the women, some of the women's games have been difficult for me to watch, but lately I get to catch those those like noon games, noon and it's games. been awesome. Um, so I'm super duper hyped about the Paraguay-Brazil matchup. Uh, Miguel Almiron has been playing lights out. So much so... By the way, Miguel Almiron is the guy that... Uh, young uh, Paraguayan talent that uh, did very well for ATL Atlanta United. He, now he's at Newcastle. He was very much the catalyst for them, the spearhead for them winning the title last season. I would argue him and Joseph Martinez had a beautiful partnership. Um, Almiron is just a, an amazing player. Went over to Newcastle and has done amazing things there. He hasn't been scoring a tremendous amount of goals, but the, his style of play for the Newcastle sort of team, he's become a fan favorite. Um, and I, So much so, he's done so well. And now he's done well at this tournament. He did very well against Argentina. Um, so he's done so well um, that... Real Madrid are starting to pay attention. Um, I saw those rumors online. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we'll see. It's just, we'll see. I, I, I can't with so with transfer rumors, <laughs> especially as an Arsenal fan. It's He's like, Anthony can't with transfer rumors because his team never gets anybody. The, it, and it's, it, 
it just it's never it's never a thing so i just sure, completely sure. sidestep it all together fucking fake news okay uh <laughs> now venezuela are gonna play argentina uh venezuela has been probably like i would say argue that the the best they've been in over a decade i would say they really haven't shown too well at these tournaments they've usually been sort of like the punching bags for historically for teams like brazil and argentina um, they've done fairly well in the tournament. They line up against Argentina, who has looked very blasé. They beat Qatar 2-0. Um, ah, I'm not sold on Argentina. I feel like Argentina's been whack for a while now. Um, Messi is Messi's amazing, but doesn't matter. Doesn't He just doesn't have it for Argentina for whatever reason, even with all the most amazing players readily available. To me, their midfield is... Watch, they go and win it. I know they're gonna go. <laughs> all of a sudden, that this is another tournament where I I don't feel there's a favorite. I no. think maybe Uruguay is the favorite, but also I could easily see Paraguay winning. To this. me, they have the strongest team. I think Colombia is the the team that has done very well so far, and has for whatever reason still been overlooked. Uh, they went three and zero in their group, beat Argentina, beat Paraguay, and beat Qatar, which is not easy to do. <laughs> And then um, Uruguay, oh, what did they do? They beat uh, they went they beat Chile in that last game, and then Chile beat Japan and Ecuador. Um, so to me, Chile is not as strong as it used to be. Alexis is a fading star without a doubt. By the way, I don't know why more MLS teams are not looking at him. Alexis Sanchez. You, you think he? It's hard to. As soon as he left, I completely like abandoned him off my radar. But uh, he's been an absolute nightmare at Man United. Yeah, um, which is very pleasing. Granted, I feel like someone that that's kind of the case with so many people. But <laughs> anyway, let's finish up really quick on Copa America. Brazil, Paraguay. Who do you have? Brazil, Paraguay. Um, I go. I see this one. Paraguay. I see this one going into penalty kicks. In my opinion, uh, I see this one going into You're, penalty kicks. Who's gonna win on kicks? I hope Paraguay. I'm going. I'm. I'm rooting for Paraguay. Same. <laughs> All right. Uh, Venezuela, Argentina. I think Argentina's going to get across the line there. I'm going to go Venezuela. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, Colombia, Chile. I think this is the most oh, difficult Columbia. matchup. Uh, I think Colombia's going to do it. Cool. And then Uruguay. I, I don't think Chile's. I think they peaked already. Sure. And then. They Ur got their, They got what, two titles already. Yeah. And then Uruguay played Peru. Peru was one of the third place team. Um, one of the third place teams that advanced. Um they went 1-1-1 one, one, and one in the group. Paraguay was another third-place team that advanced, but they went 0-2-1. So um, I'm going to go... Uh, in that last one, I'm going to go Uruguay. I think I think it's between Uruguay and Colombia to win it, although... That's a good prediction. Although they, they're going to face off in the semifinals if they both win. But these matchups They're on the same side of the bracket? Yeah, they're on the same side of the bracket. And then Argentina... Ooh, shit. We could have a Brazil-Argentina quarterfinal. Oh, my God. See, I That's mean, always fun. this is just an amazing time to be a, a fan of, of world football. I mean, this is these are the matchups that you live for. Uh, as mediocre and as blasé as Brazil and Argentina have been, although Brazil played very well in that last game, um, when they play each other, it gets a little feisty. It gets a little, it's a little. Yeah, it's like it's I mean, there's crazy. very few left intense international rivalries. Yeah, but that's definitely one of them. Well, without a doubt, without a fucking doubt. Um, man, that would be awesome to see. That would be super duper cool to see. Um, kind of, we talked a little bit about, we touched a little bit about the L of the week. It's sort of when you think of like Hot 97's 
donkey of the day or donkey of the week or whatever uh, Charlotte We just want to call out bullshit. We want to call out. We want to call out fuckery. I mean, whatever it is, whatever you want to call it, just there's soccer is such a drama, right? It's a novella. It's there's so much. It is a novella. There's so much that as a great way beautiful it. as it is. There's so much dumb, hilarious shit that happens within the game, right? Um, so Mr. <laughs> basically L of the week goes to Mr. Luis Suarez. Um, I feel like he's probably going to make this list a lot. But uh, I'm not a big fan of Luis Suarez. Uh, first of all, he plays in Barcelona. Um, but second of all, he is probably the dirtiest. And this is this is coming from someone that I, I know I'm going to get a lot of shit for this. And people are going to like just come at me. And people have come at me already. This is coming from a fan of Sergio Ramos. Okay. <laughs> now, when I look at both of those players, they're both very gifted in their own right. They are playing on team, obviously, very well. I mean, very well documented, uh, very well. I mean, their pedigrees are speak for themselves, right? Sergio Ramos more so than, than Luis Suarez, for sure, without a doubt. World Cups, Champions Leagues, multiple Champions Leagues, et cetera, et cetera, right? So now, Luis Suarez, everyone knows about his biting, which has happened on Mul- multiple occasions. Multiple occasions. His diving is pretty outrageous. Um, his descent is always kind of over the top. But two times in this one game Did- against Chile was pretty fucking next level, dog. Like, <laughs> next fucking level. I don't even know. I don't even know how. Okay, so he's one-on-one with the keeper on the, on the touchline. He tries to get a cross off. He kind of has the goalkeeper scrambling. You know, sometimes the goalkeeper comes out, doesn't get the ball, and he's a little bit, he's scrambling a little bit. He's not on the outside of the 18-yard box, bro. He's on the outside of the six-yard six box. The six-yard box. But in, in his mind, he's like, he's crossing that line, and he's using, he's using his hands. I don't even understand That's... how he could think that when the goal is right there. But you're talking about a player that automatically, he has a gear that he's ready to switch into. It, this, where is where, this is where you're right. I'm not getting my this way. Is... Referee. Referee. This is where you're right. This is where you're right. This is where, for a normal person that has not, like, you know, sometimes I, I, I watch games and people say, like, why would you pull a t-shirt? And I'm like, have you ever, you've never been in a game. You don't understand that, like, sometimes you're not thinking rational. You're thinking there's this competitive sort of switch that happens. But Luis Suarez is a fucking high-level professional, mm-hmm. and he's doing shit that you're not supposed to do at the age of six. Yeah. Call for a handball on a goalkeeper right outside. And it's funny because he's calling for the handball and then he kind of turns it into a clap, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost yeah. had it because he's like, he's it's, like, oh, that was dumb. <laughs> he, 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 oh, he was well inside he, the box. He, he fucking, you could see it in his mind, right? You could see it in his mind. He goes, like, ah, oh, fuck. Because he's gaming it to every little detail, no matter what. Like, if, can I get an advantage by trying to calling attention over here? Yep. I'm going to shout it out. I'm yeah. going to cry about it. I'm yes. going to try to get the attention to put on this. Exactly. And then you get the pitch invader, <laughs> and you get you see okay. this kid running through the field, and you then get a pitch invader. Then you get a pitch invader, right? So, I think I've seen this very few times. Very few times you see the players get involved. A lot of times the pitch invaders will go up to like Messi, and they want to give Messi a hug. And Messi is one of those guys, or Ronaldo has done this. I've seen him do this a few times, where he calls they defend the he the calls the stewards off, and yeah. he get, let's get a hug, get your little yeah. selfie. Go to jail. Go to jail. (laughs) Pay your $20,000 fine and accept your life ban or whatever the fuck. I mean, it's pretty intense what you get, right? 
So uh, I don't know if I've seen it. Maybe I've seen it a couple times, but like I can't think of a time that really pops up in my head. But I feel like I've seen it before. I think where where they attack, the, where they engage the invader, like in a, it, they trip them up or something, right? I remember seeing. I think it was a Dutch Eredivisie game. Yeah, where the the other teams like away fan or like the an ultra got on the field and attacked the keeper and the keeper fought back. And oh, then, see, yeah, yeah, shit then, like that is crazy. And then the yeah. keeper got sent off, and then the team, the the coach that the keeper was on, was like so pissed. That's fucking bananas. Yeah. That's yeah. fucking it was a big bananas. Deal. You're invading. Okay, so let's think about this, right? You're a player. You're playing in the Copa America. You're playing like a heated rival, yeah. and this fuckboy comes on, and and tries to get into it with you. Tries to do something, dude. He's stepping into your home. Mm-hmm. It's green light, bro. Yeah, that's a green light. Yeah. You can. I would. You could. Whatever. Whatever you want. Like Cantona karate kick into the stands. <laughs> a little different. <laughs> different yeah. A little different, right? <laughs> this is a situation where, dude, if a if a guy wants to go and and and. Roundhouse kick you in the head, have at it, yeah. and you deserve it, one hundred percent. You deserve it. So anyway. So anyway, a Chilean player. I love I love the camera angle they have because it's, it's so beautiful. You see the Chilean player kind of like talking to his friend, and he's just like you see the him, guy run by. You could see him irritated, and he's just like this fucking clown. And then he, you see it in his head the moment of like, you know what? I'm gonna fucking get this guy. Yeah. And he goes trips the dude. Bah, the guy like straight up like falls in his face. Stewards get after him. And Luis Suarez... You see him come right into the camera. Sprint to the fucking ref. And he's like... You can't do that. You can't give him a card. Yeah. Give him a card. Send him off. Acting like the guy went up into the stands and fucking slapped a lady or something like yeah. that. You know what I mean? Like, that's what he's acting like. Luis Suarez, fuck you, dude. Fuck you. That is embarrassing... We're going to get a sound. We're going to get some sort of soundboard for you. I, you know, like I wish I had like a a dog making a bark right now. Like uh, That's you know, going to be the next investment. Is, <laughs> that's going to be our next. Soundboard. But bro, you, you're, he's, you're such a good elite level striker. So one of the best strikers, like most gifted strikers I've ever seen in my era. life. Yeah. You don't need to do that fucking nonsense. I know at this point asking you to stop is or or you know suggesting that is asinine and it's stupid and ridiculous. Um, and to be honest, I don't really want you to stop because it's hilarious. Um, but <laughs> Jesus Christ, man, that shit is just so embarrassing and fucking nonsense. For everything, I mean, I remember the handball, the World Cup, biting Kellini, biting. Just uh, I mean, if for the uninitiated, on. just YouTube it. Luis Suarez, like weird craziest moments or whatever. There's a compilation. Yeah, it's just how did his CV in terms of like (laughs) shitbaggery is 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 pretty shithousery CV. (laughs) Ridiculous. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, another thing. Let's talk a little bit about some MLS. Not gonna touch too much on it, but it's a little bit weird in MLS at the moment. This is where MLS, and we've talked about it on my other podcast with Kicks of the Pitch, and I've talked about this openly and just in general with any of my friends or family or whatever. What ends up happening around this time in the World Cup, or excuse me, with MLS, when there is a big international tournament, in this case there's two, is that a lot of the teams now have gotten to a level where they're getting really good international talent, and inevitably those players will end up playing for the national team. 
during this time. So there ends up being like a month-long, month-and-a-half-long gap, depending on how deep into the tournament you get, where these teams are without big, important players. Um, LAFC being one of them. Um, thankfully, thankfully for them, Carlos Vela said, no, I'm going to focus on LAFC. And good on him. I'll talk a little bit more about him later. But that's a big important thing that ends up changing you start getting already like the teams and the travel and the time zones affect mls and that's such a massive part of the of the, of the season that i feel like is gets overlooked at times but it's vitally important man because people are getting pulled in so many different directions this is where depth of squad matters so fucking much yeah so 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 much so like i said you have these two tournaments then you have the open cup that is happening as well so you have teams like the Galaxy who are not taking it seriously. They're without Jonathan Santos, who's who really is the the engine of their of their team, and they go out and they get they get blown out by the Timbers because they don't really field a, a serious squad. Um, and th- I'm not going to shit on them for that. I get it because they're focused on the league. They're in second place in the in the Western Conference. They didn't make the playoffs last year. They need to make the fucking playoffs this year. With yeah. I mean that's their shit. They have to right. That's last year was such an embarrassment. Zlatan comes and it doesn't mean dick. So. You have teams like that. Then you have teams like Atlanta United, who have a couple of Argentinian players that were at the under twenty one at the under twenties. Uh, they're at Copa America. So now, in a game like today, you saw. I mean, to me, they should have blown out Toronto, but it's still like this crazy wide open game. Uh, you saw the highlights. What did you think? It was really cool to see, man. The it's just the competitiveness and it ninety minutes. Yeah. winners yeah that was it's a great game man yeah and then it's another game that, that, i mean today there was another really good game montreal beat uh i believe they beat the timbers yes they beat the timbers two to one that was another amazing game um so you saw the timbers kind of getting on that on the up and up and up and then they have a big open cup win against the galaxy they go to montreal they they lose they take a they take a loss two to one now they got to come back to um lafc for the open cup in a couple of weeks so you're starting to see, which I think is, again, massively important for American clubs, MLS clubs, to deal with these sorts of difficulties or these obstacles. These are obstacles that all teams deal with. You know, when you're mm-hmm. thinking of big teams, when you're thinking of Boca and River and Estudiantes and all these teams that play in Libertadores, when you're thinking of the Mexican teams that play in Libertadores, you know, they play in the same tournaments when they, they're playing in CONCACAF Champions League. When you look at the European side, what's happening? Oh, who are we playing today? Oh, we're playing Genk. Okay, let's get some team. Let's get some players that don't get a lot of minutes. We're gonna get our second, our second uh, string goalkeeper there. Get him some minutes. Yep. These, this, these are the times where you start to really rotate, rotate your squad. If you get a big injury in the playoffs, you can, you know, put your team, put whomever you need to in there. Um, so to me, all this stuff is good and positive. There's a lot of teams that have neglected that and haven't done well. Um, so for whatever reason, whether it be injuries, whether it be poor ownership and not spending enough money on proper players, depth and squad, it's going to be inevitable. I, I hope that MLS needs to be, needs to have proper depth of squad. And one team I can say without a doubt, I know I'm overly biased with LAFC. I know I constantly chirp about them, but I was at the LAFC match open cup when they played San Jose. They're without Walker Zimmerman. They were without... Tyler uh, Tyler Miller, so first string center back, first string goalkeeper. 
They play against San Jose, a team who has changed dramatically since the first match, and a team who went out to punch them in the fucking mouth from the jump. Um, so just to talk a little bit about that match, the atmosphere was pretty incredible. I think one thing that LAFC has done and that Bob Bradley has said from the jump that makes me very proud and very happy is that we're going to take this shit fucking seriously. We want to win the Open Cup. Yeah. We want to win the you title. You want to win titles. Yeah, you want to win titles. It's enough to, be like, uh, it, it's it's nice that we're, that he, you know, I feel like he thinks it's nice that LAFC is like the new, the shiny new guy on the block with this amazing support, nice new stadium, Carlos Vela, all these cool things. But now it's time to be, yeah, the, stuff. now it's time to be the dynasty. Now it's time to, I know maybe like even saying that word is crazy because it's the second, it's the second season. But to make the strides that they've made in two seasons, to be first place by a significant margin with a game in hand in the Western Conference, for Carlitos to be playing the way he is, to have the depth in squad, to be doing well on all parameters, that is very, very positive. There's a lot of clubs that have been in this league for 20-something years that are have never made those strides. Never. Yeah, one of the biggest things for me in, in, in the club right now is to see them. I want them to be the best North American club. Yeah. I that 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 is... The standard for me mm-hmm. as as a fan and watching him play, I'm like this is all well and good, getting the <laughs> W's is fun, but I want to see them win the Concacaf Champions League. Yeah. I want to see them go up against Liga Mekis opponents yep. and give them problems. Yeah, like I want to I want to do an away then, day in Monterrey. I want to do an away day in I, Monterrey at Tigres. I want to play, you know, Chivas. I want I, I want that. I want that I level. I want to see them brilliance. at the Club World yeah. Cup. Yeah. Of course. That's because that's. Could you imagine LAFC playing Real Madrid in, in Tokyo? It'd exactly. be fucking amazing. Because there's only been two teams to ever do it. Yeah. DC United, back in the early days of MLS, mm-hmm. DC United, to me, in the that first gen DC United team, that was one of the best North American teams ever. Ever. Yeah. John Harks, uh, Ichiveri, Jaime, Jaime Moreno. Moreno. Yeah, I remember those guys. Just studs. Eddie Pope. He, he, like, uh, yeah. Yeah, Eddie Pope. Yeah. Legendary team for the early years. And then you got the, I think in 2001, LA the Galaxy won. Mm-hmm. And they had a great team. Mm-hmm. I, I, and they were supposed to go, but then they canceled that tournament that year. Yeah, I remember. They were supposed to play Real Madrid because yeah. Real Madrid won the Champions League that year. Since then, there's been nothing. There's been nothing. Yeah. Like, it's... Yeah, so I think, you know... In in going back and remembering those teams and like I think what a lot of new fans forget is that like we've followed MLS forever. It's not yeah. that we haven't been a fan of MLS. I haven't in some respects, but we still have that history of knowing when it started. When it started, when it was we were one. you know we saw everything. Um, so to remember those teams and remember the players that were involved, it's it's kind of disheartening when we had that gap of absolute nothingness for like ten years. Yeah, you know where it was just like. It was. It w- I felt like it was a troubling time because we didn't know if the league was even going to exist beyond. This I mean, point. it's it's very difficult for, to to do any kind of like pro sports franchise. One hundred percent, especially yeah. in the states. But so to kind of go back to it, first of all, the atmosphere was second to none. It was. It felt like a home game. Half of the stadium was closed because they did this weird thing where I think it was a bit odd. They did a general admission thing where it was like I think it was like thirty dollars a ticket or something like that. Um, which is, I, I'm all good in gravy with that. 
I think that when people get frustrated with cost of things, I think they don't realize how much it costs to hire people to work all concessions in the stadium. Um, I think that they, it is a business. People need to make money. People are, I mean, that's how people get paid. So we need to understand that, you know, sometimes tickets are going to be a bit more expensive. When you start getting into crazy skyrocketed tickets, obviously that's Ticketmaster, that's resellers that are trying to make money off tickets. We're not, <coughs> not going to talk about that. <coughs> but I think the stadium was so, like they had to open up the second uh, level. So basically on, like I would say three quarters of the stadium was full. Okay. Um, three quarters of the stadium was full. Uh, three two five two was loud as fuck. Uh, tailgate was proper, um, and it was just beautiful to have that just nice Thursday summer night in downtown. Watch a proper match. San Jose came out with, I mean, just full force, punched us in the mouth, and it was like, all right, let's go, let's turn it up. And LAFC's starting lineup was the majority of their starters. Um, and I don't want to say the goalkeeper's name wrong. See, let me see. Hold on. The new guy. Oh, well, like the backup. Hold on. So he had a fucking lights out game. He's the kid, uh, Mexican kid from, he played at, uh, I believe he played at Deportivo. <clears throat> La Coruña. Mm, hold on. Do you think there's any hope on getting on the European calendar? Getting on with the MLS? No, no, I don't. <laughs> um, I think when you create, this is this is an interesting thing. So, <clears throat> this is an interesting thing. Um, Cisniega. There you go, Pablo Cisniega. I didn't want to mispronounce his name. So Pablo Cisniega. Uh, young, I believe he's about 19, 20 years old, had the composure and made some saves that I did not comprehend and did not understand from a kid that age. The composure, not only that, the distribution, um, he made like three or four point blank saves where I was like, what the fuck is going on here? I mean, to the point where you're like, I've never seen Tyler Miller make saves like that. Um, I, I've saw, seen Tyler I saw a few memes. I've seen Tyler Miller make a lot of saves, but not like that. This was a different level of save. This was, this was like, and not only that, the composure afterwards. You know, there wasn't a deflection to another player. There was like, I got this. It was that type of shit. And then getting up and being like, calm down, everybody. Let's slow the tempo down. Get, they've got some momentum. Let's chill out. That type of like, that's when you see elite level guys, elite level goalkeepers that understand, hey, we need to have possession for a bit. We're not going to let you have the ball. We need to chill things out, and let's calm down, everybody. Calm. I got the ball. Calm down. So when you take the wind out of their sails and you're able to do that and change the momentum, that was so vital in these very important sort of like these, these wrestling. You see this kind of like back and forth that happens throughout these matches, right? This momentum that happens. The momentum can change so quickly, and he – has a knowledge of that. And as a goalkeeper, you can properly control that yeah. if you're elite, at least. So he was able to do that. And I was just like, oh my God, this kid, you know, San, th there was all these like everything uh, you San Pablo, San, San Cieniega. Yeah. Afterwards, there was all these Everything memes. you want to see at a keeper. Yeah. So we'll see. I hope he gets more. I mean, obviously we're going to see him in the next Gold Cup match. Or excuse me, in the next, uh, in the next Open Cup, Cup match against the Timbers. Timbers are coming to LA. 
Can't fucking wait for that match. Um, <clears throat> so I'm just excited to see LAFC take, not only to take these types of games serious, but to have that atmosphere on a Thursday uh, Thursday night. Just a beautiful atmosphere. Amazing, amazing match. High level, high level soccer. Back and forth game. Um, again, San Jose came after it. They really, really wanted to punch us in the mouth. They did initially. And then LAFC really kind of took over. Um, so it was just awesome to see. And I wish more clubs had the, you know, it's, I, I don't think that it's not that more clubs want to take this, this seriously, but I just think a lot of, a lot more clubs don't have the ability to take it this seriously. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. But looking forward to it nonetheless. All right. Last couple of things <clears throat> before we finish. I want to talk about Mr. Fernando Torres. Um, who retired this, excuse me, retired a couple days ago. Um, let's talk about, I don't even know if you can name them, but top three Fernando Torres moments, if you can. What, top three? Yeah. I guess, like, the first one that comes to mind is obviously, like, the goal against Barcelona. Ah, that was my number one. I mean, I mean <laughs> that's everybody, just because of Gary Neville's commentary. Yeah. Because at the time, it, it just, it, it's, I hate, there, there was like a rivalry between Chelsea and Barca at the time. And oh, initially, like. There was, there was, that we're talking about the, the weird uh, ref, this is where UA Falona kind of came about. Yeah. You know, and Drogba saying, it's a fucking disgrace. Drogba and Balak losing their shit. <laughs> there was the weird non-calls, the game at Sanford Bridge. And this is back when, like, you know, Chelsea probably had a good shout at winning the Champions League. Mm -hmm. and it was bonkers. So they got revenge on him. And at the time, I was like, fuck Chelsea. Barca wins. That's tight. But then a few years afterwards, I'm like, fuck Barca. <laughs> like, I'm so tired of this team. <laughs> yeah. This team is just too much. I just, I, I was done with them. Yeah. And they square up against Chelsea, and Chelsea gets fucking revenge on them. In the most, I, I did not, no one expected that to happen. That and was one of the, that probably one, one of the worst Chelsea teams I've ever seen, <laughs> like in the past like 10 years. Yeah, the fact that they won, because like I thought, I'm like, whatever, win this game, they'll lose in the final. Yeah, Bayern's going to smoke at it. home. Yeah, yeah. And little did I know, fucking they lose to, they, Bayern lose at home. Yeah. In the most, it's most it ludicrous way. It was insane. Yeah. It should have never happened, should have never been. Now the and thing Chelsea that you, has a European the title thing that you have to remember about this moment was like this was peak Xavi, peak Iniesta, yeah. peak Busquets, peak Messi. Yeah. I mean, they had Pique, Puyol at the back. I mean, squad. And the other thing is squad like Barcelona at their fucking pinnacle. Tiki Taka, Pep Guardiola, we're running shit. Beat Madrid five one type yeah. of shit. You know what I mean? Like that level of Barcelona. And this was Torres at his bottom. This was Torres post-Liverpool Torres. We'll put it that way. Post-Liverpool, post signed for a bunch of money at Chelsea. Wasn't doing shit at Chelsea. No. At all. And it was funny because he got subbed in in that game. So he yeah. gets subbed in and I'm like, well, I mean, you know what? He has it. Historically, what people don't realize about Fernando Torres is that he came up in the Atleti system. Historically, has destroyed Barcelona since he was 16 yeah. years old. Historically. They hate Fernando Torres. So when he comes on, people don't realize this, but there's a lot of Barcelona fans that are like, 
oh, fuck. <laughs> like, I mean, it doesn't matter that he's had a shit season. He, like, whatever it is, when he sees those fucking burgundy and blue stripes, something clicks in his fucking head. Yeah. So then you get that long ball, and all of a sudden, he's the Fernando Torres. He's very composed. Speeds up one on one. Busquets is it just it, it's a play you never see go yeah. down. All of a sudden you see this guy's one on one with the mm -hmm. keeper like that it, it, in a Champions League semifinal. Yeah, uh, all it, it was unreal. That is that, that is without a doubt my number one Fernando Torres moment. Um, number two was for me was two thousand six Euros when they played Germany, uh, and he scored the he was he was playing lights out that season for Liverpool, then. Um, didn't have a good World Cup, didn't have a good Euro. In fact, David Villa was kind of like playing a lot better. So people were like, what's going on? Like what's happening with Fernando? And comes out and scores the winning goal to beat Germany to get Spain their first proper major title. That was a big, big, big deal for me. Uh, he's he's one of the few members of that club of people, the, the alumni of people that have won. He's won every major trophy he could he possibly won. He has won everything. He's won. He's won everything. Did, did he win La Liga? Actually, I don't no, know if he, he has. He never won a La Liga. I don't Liga. think he won a, because when he left, when he left Atletico, that was when they. I think they won that maybe two seasons after or the season he left, uh, and that was like a big. So no, they, no, 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 no. They they definitely won a lot later than that. They won because they won in like 2012 around there, and he was he was already at Liverpool for a while. But yeah, then. domestically he, he, but he's won a World Cup. He's won a Euro. He's won Champions League. He's won a World Cup. He won a Euro. Won a he won two Euros. UEFA League. Two Euros in a World yeah. Cup and a Champions League and a UEFA. Uh, and a highly, UEFA, uh, highly decorated footballer. And a Euro in the Europa League, excuse me. Uh, so highly decorated. I mean, when he was at Liverpool, there was like two or three seasons where he was just fucking terrifying, dude. Like he mm -hmm. would destroy everybody. When it was yep. during his era, to me, it was like Liverpool, Chelsea, Liverpool, Chelsea, Liverpool, Chelsea. Well, he almost got him a title. Almost, yeah, almost. It almost. was that game that that crazy was it the f the, the crazy game where Onshaven got four goals. Yep. Where they needed to win that game, but it, it they couldn't get. It. That's when we ended their title run. Yeah. All of a sudden, Arsenal wanted to do something. <laughs> no, we were just still bleeding goals. Like yeah. Crazy. yeah, yeah. Can't, can't hold on a lead to save our lives. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man. Uh, hats off. Thank you for the memories. All the respect in the world to that man because. Um, he was one of those guys, like like I said, there was a time period where he was just so iconic and so lights out. When I think of Fernando Torres in the white T90s with like long sleeve Adidas Liverpool gray, all gray, you know? I mean, that was like with, with the bandana around his head, bleached hair. That was like the most terrifying Fernando Torres you could ever come across in your fucking life. That was like, oh shit, like he... he I mean, he could do everything. Header, he could he could have the ball. He he was fast. He could he could dribble, assist, everything. He was just very very. He was just incredible for for a time period. And then he just fell off so dramatically. Got a lot of injuries, of course. Always had like massive injury problems. But he reminds me of a. I think of player like a player like Shevchenko, who was when he was at Milan, he was, I mean, again, unstoppable mm -hmm. for a time period. You know, like where you were just like, he was untouchable. You know the primetime guy. It, it's also cool to see some of the, like the old photos of. This is something that's very unique to like European sports. Is when you bring someone up from the academy, you see that picture of him. Yeah. When he's just a baby mm -hmm. in a Lady Go kit. Yeah, yeah. And then you see pictures of him, this just like, 
scraggly teenager and he's on the field with Simeone. Yeah. And then you see he comes back. Uh, and when and he comes playing, back and, and, he's, and, and he's, he's the coach. You know? And Atleti was, is definitely the type of club to like welcome that dude with open arms. They used to sing, when he was a kid, they would sing You're Just Too Good To Be True, that song. Yeah. They would sing that to him when he was a kid because he was just this phenom when he was coming up again. Like I said, he would, you know, when he was 17 scoring, lighting up Barcelona. It's, 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 <laughs> so, it's really special when icon. you have a kid that, that grows up with the club. Yeah. When you have a kid to come up and then become elite level, global elite level, and, and just blow people away. And that's going to be something that's going to be cool to see in the coming years with MLS and their academies where, where you have a ki- someone come up through the ranks and you you know that, oh, no, he, he's been here since day one. Yep. He's been here since he's been a baby. Yep. Absolutely. So, again, hats off. All the respect in the world. If you want to come back and play for LFC for a couple seasons, please do. Uh, but anyway, cheers to that. On that note, we are done, my friend. Is there anything else you want to add? Uh, check us out on Instagram. Check us out on Twitter when we decide, decide posting on Twitter. Yeah. There's some merch left on our Depop. If you want to go dive into the website, there's a couple jerseys on there. I'm going to start digging around and seeing if I can get a whole new batch of vintage gear to sell on there and maybe make some Voyeur's merch. We'll see. Um, this is only the beginning. We'll, we'll see what we can do with this little pirate ship. Amen. Amen. On that note, uh, we'll be back next week. Um, I'm going to be traveling a little bit um, this this month but it shouldn't stop me too much we have this cool way that we can you know record uh, even though if i'm out of town at worst he can call in i'm going to be able to call in and, and we'll be able to work it out that way i might be a little bit drunk which i don't think will be a problem yeah just max banter <laughs> all right my man uh, we'll see everyone next week cheers anthony cheers bye-bye goodbye we'll see like you and subscribe Sponsor bye us. bye <laughs>